Hello and welcome to another Expert Insights show. Each show, your host Donna Hansen interviews an expert on the latest trends, ideas, philosophies and approaches that impact on productivity, performance and profit both in business and personally. And now, here's your host, Donna Hansen. Hello and welcome to this Expert Insights episode. I'm Donna Hansen. In this Expert Insights episode, we speak with wellbeing strategist Laura Timbrook. US-based Laura is a national board certified health and wellness coach, international speaker and wellbeing strategist in the manufacturing industry. She's been in the corporate health and wellness field for almost 10 years and has worked for small business and Fortune 500 spanning several sectors. Still, the manufacturing workforce holds a special place for Laura. Laura says our lives are too busy to waste time on crazy diets, exhausting stress management techniques and stress-inducing fitness regimens. I'm with you, Laura. Her simple, practical and straightforward perspective gets results. Laura believes employees are a company's number one asset and we need to make sure they are provided with the best chance for optimal vitality, safety, and longevity. Looking forward to this chat. Hi, Laura, and welcome. Hi, Donna. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Look, before we start, what exactly is a well-being strategist? <laughs> yeah, so I work with organ organizations to strategize their employees' well-being. Every company, industry, everyone needs something a little specific and what works for one place doesn't work for another place. So really, I kind of take a holistic approach at it and see what specifically a certain company, a certain industry needs and then we kind of lay out what will work for their employees and it's kind of growing and changing so it might be leadership wellness culture training or maybe just some, you know, sugar um, sessions and nutrition advice. So it really varies depending on the company and the industry. Wonderful. So I've, I've not heard of a well-being strategist before. Is that an official title or, or just something you coined that you found was really meaningful to the industry? Yeah, so it's something I kind of coined myself because, you know, being a board-certified health and wellness coach, a lot of times it just looks as somebody's going to come in and coach your employees. It's so much bigger than that. And a lot of times when we think of health and wellness, we think of fitness and nutrition. And we forget about our relationships and our purpose and, you know, how sleep and movement and nutrition all play a role. So it's much bigger than what we sleep and exercise or eat and exercise. I guess a lot of people see each of those elements in isolation and what you do when you said you're holistic is bring elements of all that together depending upon what people's or organizations' needs are. Absolutely. And it's interesting, when I went through nutrition school, we had primary foods and secondary foods. And actually, our secondary foods were actually the foods we ate. It was the primary foods, which were our relationships and how our purpose and, you know, just how we carry ourselves. So a lot of that was so much more important than the foods we were eating. And a lot of times it gets left out and it makes such a big impact in our overall well-being. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing a, a little bit more about this as we have a bit of a chat today. So whilst you're a well-being strategist, why the focus on the manufacturing industry? Is there something you saw missing in the industry or...? A hundred percent. So I was in corporate, corporate health and wellness for 
think it was eight or nine years, and every now and then you would be sent to a manufacturing facility, but you still went with your corporate attire and your corporate knowledge and how their lunch, you know, breaks work. But you would go to the facilities and suddenly they don't have an hour lunch break. And they have only two 15-minute, you know, breaks throughout the day aside from their lunch. And it was just different. So the information we were giving to the corporate world wasn't translating over to our manufacturing workforce. And I was at a facility one time and the guy was coming through for health coaching and he actually put his hand up and he said, you know what, healthy doesn't work for me. And in that instance, I was like, you know what, this is what we're doing, we're failing people. We are failing a whole section of people and it's not fair. I am a firm believer that everybody has the ability to be healthy. Just a lot of the information we're giving doesn't fit them. So once I heard that and really talking to a lot of other employees, I was like, you know what, this is where I need to be. I need to be their voice of health. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting, yeah, and it makes perfect sense because a lot of people when they think uh, health and wellness or health and fitness, they think of these um, buff six-pack abs or these um, sleek uh, hourglass figures in a bikini on, on a beach and they often feel unattainable, but I'm guessing you're not looking to take people from here right over to here in, uh, you know, two or three weeks. It's not like a crash diet, it's a lifestyle change. Absolutely. And everything's different for everybody. You know, in the corporate world, mindfulness training worked really well. They like the term mindfulness. Um, in manufacturing, when we're dealing with our, you know, our workforce, mindfulness is, is fluffy. It's extra. It's, I don't have time for that. You know, but when I started working with them and we talked about quieting our mind and being present and we talked about fishing or sitting in a hunting stand, or maybe going for a motorcycle ride. And that moment of being present and listening to the natures or the whining of a motor, they understood that. And suddenly the conversation changed. Suddenly something that went from, oh, there's no way I'm doing that. And as somebody once told me, he's like, I am not into pillows and twinkle lights. <laughs> we went from pillows and twinkle lights to motorcycles and classic cars or hunting or fishing rods. And, you know, we had such a big response. I actually had a guy tell me that whenever he has a rough day, he keeps a fishing pole in the back of his truck and he'll hit the stream and just cast a few lines before he goes home to unwind. Wow, that's amazing. So it, it's sort of like just finding that thing that makes it click for someone, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's really what a well-being strategist like myself is really doing is that we're trying to find what are you already doing in your life that we can just a minor tweak and make it a healthy habit? So creating a personal and emotional connection and then um, linking the um, health and wellness message to something that brings them, to, to quote Marie Kondo, uh, mm -hmm. brings them some joy, sparks them joy and, and makes them feel like um, they'll step in more to something than something, you know, esoteric and that sort of sits in the ether, something that, that is relevant to them. So that's, Absolutely. that's amazing, absolutely amazing. So what we're talking about today can we apply it to any business or industry? Oh, my goodness, 
And, you know, in the corporate health and wellness industry, we have seen such a huge growth just over the last eight, nine years. I mean, on we are on track to almost hit $100 billion in the next few years within a health and, the corporate health and wellness industry. It's huge. We know it works. And I was just reading right before we got on this call, I just shared it on LinkedIn. It was an article by um, HR Magazine in the UK that actually found that when they implemented in manufacturing health and wellness programs, they watched their uh, increase in productivity. So we know it works. And it's just trying to find what fits for their organization. So I, I guess when, they're, when people are healthier, we're happier. When we feel good, well, naturally, when we feel good, we perform better, don't we? When we feel bad, you know, we tend to be weighed down and, and uh, feel a little less happy and less productive, I'm guessing. Absolutely. And, you know, when I talk to people, anytime someone goes on a diet for the first week or two, every time, and they always tell me, I have so much more energy. And it is because once you clean up your diet, depend, no matter what diet you go on generally, Mm. You're always going to get the first few weeks more energy. You're going to feel like there's an extra pep in your step, and you're going to be more productive. Um, and that's what we want. We just want to make sure that whatever lifestyle we're living is sustainable so we can keep feeling like that rather than having those big highs and lows. Mm. So um, we, we've already touched on how it increases productivity. Um, why, do you, why should businesses really be starting to focus on the health and, and well-being of their workforce? What are the added benefits they'll get aside from, from productivity because people are feeling better? What other yeah. uh, tangible sorts of things can businesses and, and individuals expect to see when we're more um, connected with our health and well-being? Oh, absolutely. So you have a happier workforce. You have a workforce that obviously is going to increase the productivity. You're going to have a workforce that stays. And that's huge when we're talking about employee retention. You put all this money into training your employees. You want those employees to stay with you, not go to your competitor, right? Yeah. So we want that. We want our employees working, you know, longer in their lives. We don't want them to go out on disabilities and workman's comp. We want them in our workforce, you know, and for a lot of that comes in safety, especially with manufacturing. You know, there was a study done that actually showed if you slept six hours a night for 11 days, you will your productivity will be at somebody that didn't sleep for 24 hours. Can you imagine someone being on a manufacturing floor that hasn't slept in 24 hours? That's yeah. dangerous. You're going to have injuries occur. But yet so much of our workforce only sleeps four to six hours. Wow. So we really need to make sure we're having a, a workforce that's putting in you know, time sleeping and eating the right foods because it's going to affect their safety. And especially for the manufacturing industry, that's key, as for a lot of other uh, industries as well. So um, you mentioned six hours. Wow, that's, that's uh, amazing. So I'm guessing uh, the, um, the amount of sleep people have uh, or need will vary depending upon uh, the individual. It's not like a, um, uh, a, a um, generic eight hours sleep that we've all been taught, is it? 
Well, it kind of is almost. So the University of Pennsylvania, and there was this great book by Matthew Walker called Why We Sleep. And the University of Pennsylvania really found it needs to be eight to nine hours of sleep we require. And they actually started um, gathering all kinds of um, individuals that said, no, I can work on four hours of sleep. And they texted their productivity and they really did need that eight hours. So, you know, where a lot of times in the U.S. we'll say, yeah, six to eight hours, it really needs to be eight to nine hours. And we see the same thing with weight loss, which is crazy because I will have clients come to me that all of a sudden they're up a pound or two, but their sleep has been all over the place. And they get that nine, eight to nine hours of sleep and they'll drop two pounds just by sleeping. And it's because our body is you know, optimized. It's letting go of any retained water. I mean, you're not gaining two pounds of fat just by not sleeping, but you are retaining water. Your body's holding on to things because it hasn't been given that rest and restore that it needs. Mm, Wow. So um, my first thought is, you know, is this expensive for organizations to, you know, to do this sort of thing, to go, we're all in for a, a health and wellness program. No, so it's scalable. And one of the things that I'm going to give you a quick secret, and I know it's for the U.S., so I'm not sure. So definitely call your insurance people for Australia. But in the U.S., we have what we call wellness dollars. And a lot of organizations don't know they're out there. So this money has been put aside for your employees so you can run these wellness programs. And all you have to do is call your insurance company and find out, have a conversation if these wellness dollars exist, what they can be used for and how you can use it. And, you know, just like everything, it's scalable. You can have someone come in to do a wellness talk or a survey to see what your employees need, or you can go full in and bring in leadership training and, uh, uh, CWOs, which are chief wellness officers, and really go full force. So yes, that can get a little um, expensive, but there's ways to scale it down so it could start for everybody. And and I'm guessing if you consider it an investment rather than a spend, because at the other end, you should get retention, you'll get more engaged and productive people. So it's about, uh, you know, working out what you're prepared to invest at the front end in order to get the result at the back end, and then how do you measure and track that? Absolutely. And, you know, for the manufacturing industry, we are kind of at a critical pivot point. Our workforce is aging out, and we're not having the younger workforce coming in. So we are at a critical point. We need to be attracting the younger generations. But we know the younger generations, they put so much focus on purpose, family, and wellness. Actually, I just read an article earlier this year that coined the millennial generation generational wellness because they've been the first generation that spends so much more significantly on wellness. So if we want these younger generations coming into the workforce, we have to be attracting them. So if they're going to go to corporate and they're going to get all these fancy wellness benefits and manufacturing doesn't offer it, they'll never attract it. So putting that money in to create a sustainable, practical wellness environment is key if you want to bring in 
and retain those employees for younger generations. Wow, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, and and you're quite right. I know that um, you know anybody I know in that millennial sort of uh, age bracket is is quite um, focused on fitness, wellness, what they eat, and sustainability with their food. Which which brings me on to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was food. <laughs> which makes sense for uh, talking to a health and wellness coach. So, how does what people eat impact on their productivity? Oh my goodness, so huge amount. We know when we are dealing with processed foods, high amounts of processed foods, they're inflammatory in our body. When we are inflamed, we are more likely to, you know, get chronic diseases. We are more likely to feel sluggish and gross. I mean, think about if you ever went, well, Halloween's coming up, so we have our big candy binge holiday. And you know when you eat a lot of sugar, you kind of feel gross and slug, exactly, and nothing gets done. But if we start eating a diet of balance and whole foods, hey, still have your chocolate, but just don't eat the whole bag. <laughs> and that's really where we see ourselves, we feel lighter, we're more productive, our brains are functioning quicker, we don't have that brain fog. And you know... The interesting thing is I was just reading some things about hydration. 1% of dehydration actually affects productivity at 12%. So that's pretty high how much just being slightly dehydrated will actually affect our productivity. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're eating the right foods and um, getting in the proper nutrients because that's going to affect how we feel, I see a lot of times in teens and uh, young adults that they're not eating enough fruits and vegetables. And it's really affecting them on anxiety levels and just overall well-being. And if we can start adding in those fruits and vegetables, it's easier for doctors to figure out what's going on and what we need. You need to start from a balanced approach or you're always working at a negative. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, and I think you're, you're right. You know, um, fruits and vegetables, um, natural and pass through the body quite easily. And uh, they can really uh, lift you up without slumping you down like uh, processed foods do. So um, we've talked about, um, you know, at a higher level, some of the sorts of things uh, businesses can do or implement to help their employees, like a chief wellness officer or, or different elements. Are there any, like, simple little things that, um, you know, organisations or, or people watching or listening to this that they could implement that um, might just give them a, a quick little win or, or show them that there really is something to this? Yeah, so I like when people can do one of two things. You know, something as simple as going for a walk has been so productive in our mental health, our body weight, how we feel our digestive system. So if we can start implementing somehow to get our employees walking, you know, we could do a simple walking challenge or maybe offer some kind of, you know, if you sign up for the walking challenge, you can win a $20 gift card, something fun. Anytime we can have a challenge or a competition, people are more likely to get engaged. Especially now, especially since everybody's so separated, you need that sense of community, that sense of team. So I think something like that is really important. 
But when we do get back to the offices, I like an approach called support, don't force. A lot of times when we start implementing a wellness program, we go for the force side. We start making our employees wear fitness trackers. Don't make anybody do anything. We want to support them so we can allow them to wear fitness trackers, but even if we don't even go that far. And we're just talking about those office meeting breakfasts. You know, a lot of times they're bagels and donuts, you know, the yummy foods. Um, and a lot of times when we start implementing a wellness program, we take those bagels and donuts out and we only put in the healthy foods, which is great. But really what we're telling our employees is you're not healthy. I'm going to make you healthy and this is what you're going to eat. They're not going to do it. So we want to still have maybe a smaller amount of those bagels or donuts, but then bring in the fruit and the granola and leave it up to your employees to make that option. If I want the healthy food or if I want to stick with the unhealthy food, and generally they'll stick with the unhealthy food, but after time, they make the change. It's very much what we do with kids with vegetables. I always tell parents, keep putting the vegetables on the plate. At some point, they're going to get curious. And it's the same thing with adults, too. Keep doing it because at some point, we're going to be like, you know what? I don't feel like that bagel. Let me just have some fruit or some yogurt. They're going to make the healthy changes if we support them rather than force them. And, and I think, too, in that sort of instance, often it can be um, a little bit of unintended peer pressure. They see somebody else eating something and it doesn't feel so bad for them to try something. And then they get to a point where they start um, uh, gravitating towards that more and more. Oh, absolutely. And that's really what you want. You want it to be, you know, my husband always says about his dad, he's like, I can never make my dad do anything. It has to be his decision. Well, it's like that for all of us. It has to be on our terms. And so that's what we want. Put it on your employees' terms. Yeah, well, I mean, I get some ideas spring to mind of, of different things I've seen in the workplace. So when people were working in offices, which they're not right now, things like, um, you know, fruit boxes that would be in the lunchroom that people could go to and just help themselves to fruit. And I don't know about the US, but here in Australia at our supermarkets, you um, walk into the supermarket or your grocery store, as you call it, and there's baskets of individual bits of fresh fruit that's free for the children when they come in. So they can grab a piece of fruit and whilst they're going around the, the store doing their shopping with their parents or whoever, um, they can eat a piece of fruit. So all of those things are, are proactive in, in changing your generation. But I'm even thinking when you talked about challenges, even thinking about things like um, an organisation having water bottles, branded water bottles that they distribute to staff that sit on, on the desks and, you know, the challenge is to drink um, one of those a day and then two of those a day and, you know, things like that. But you're right, people love challenges and, and I think that that's one of the reasons why things like fitness trackers have been so uh, popular because we like to see how well we're doing and not necessarily comparing uh, ourselves with others, but comparing ourselves with ourselves yesterday. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I um, I love tracking um, different things. Like my husband wears a Fitbit, and every night or after a, a week or a month, he'll look and he'll go, "Oh, look, I've got seven hours and forty eight minutes sleep as the average this week." And it's sort of like a benchmark, and you go, "Hey, yeah, I'm doing okay," rather than going, "Oh my god, I just feel so blur." 
You know, and that was so much I heard people when they, with being from home, the first thing they said was, my weight's going up, but I'm not eating anything different. But what they were doing is they weren't moving. And we weren't wearing our fitness trackers because they were sitting on our desk because we weren't going to work or we weren't going out. And when we finally started putting them back on, we realized we were going from maybe 10, 11,000 steps a day to just three or 4,000 steps a day. So that's where it came. It came because we just stopped moving. We sit in our chairs on Zoom all day and we don't get up. Uh, so that brings us on to the the recent COVID pandemic and people working from your home, uh, from home, um, and clearly it makes it harder to manage workplace uh, health and fitness. Um, what are some of the tips that you've given workplaces, given that those lines are somewhat blurred now? Yeah, and we kind of have to be really careful with this because, you know, yes, they're your employees. They're still employed with you but they are at home so we have to keep that home work life a little bit different you kind of have to be very careful that you're not intruding and telling them what they can do at home but what we can do is we can support them and we can you know advocate for them you know one of the biggest things I actually see is people not having that separation of the day starting and the day ending and Donna, I know much like me, I think you've worked from home for quite a while. So you know in that first year or two, it was really kind of hard finding like, okay, when does work stop and life begin? Like, So I think that's one of the biggest things we need to address is turning off the computer. You know, so many people are working from their kitchens because they don't have dedicated offices or they're working from bedrooms and you know, work becomes bedtime or work becomes family dinners. And we need to kind of set up those boundaries. And that's one of the biggest things I see. And what I've been telling people is you've got to set up a boundary because you will burn your employees out because it's so easy to continue working when there's not, no turning it off, the phone rings and you're running to your desk or you hear an email come on and you're logging in real quick. You have to kind of have that boundary. So that's one of my biggest concerns during this time is that boundary and our mental well-being. Mm. And, and I'm guessing too, you know, something simple for an organization to do could be um, just giving people permission to not check emails after 6 p.m. Uh, some, sometimes it's not until somebody says to us, you know, you don't need to do that, that it, it feels a sense of relief because we've created this own obligation in ourselves. Uh, and, and, you know, whether people feel like they're um, saving time because they're not commuting or you might find that people are working from home and they're having to balance in Australia. We've, um, we've had a lot of homeschooling and that's been challenging for parents with, um, with young children where, you know, both parents are working and maybe they don't have the resources to be able to um, get support or in some instances childcare facilities weren't available um, in part of the pandemic here. So uh, it really is a challenge, but, but I'm guessing from a manufacturing perspective, uh, a lot of manufacturing, you can't 
do that from home. Right. So there's a lot of elements of your clients that are still uh, physically in locations and I'm, I'm guessing that maybe they've had reductions in numbers or changes in how they've had to operate as a result uh, of the, the pandemic. So um, has that influenced, um, you know, the advice you've been giving people? Yeah, so when we're dealing with the actual workforce, and it's kind of interesting right now, there's there's always been a separation between the manufacturing corporate and the you, you know your union workforce, and but now it's even more because our union workforce is still in the offices, right? They're still running the, the machinery and the products, and our manufacturing corporate is now at home. And, you know, we have to be very careful that we are still maintaining our health and wellness for the ones that are in, in the facilities. We need to make sure they feel safe, they feel supported, and that their well-being matters just as much as our corporate. So really, you know, and we want to make them feel like there's a community here, that, you know, we're rallying behind them too. You know, it was interesting because during the height of COVID, everyone was sending out the healthcare heroes, like, thank you. But, you know, we really weren't thanking our manufacturing workforce who was working overtime to make sure we had the proper PPE. So we, you know, it's really about acknowledging that workforce because they were there working and they were still scared about their well-being and their jobs, what was going to happen. So really for that, we really needed to focus on maintaining their health and wellness and supporting them. So it's really about, you know, our supervisors having empathy and understanding what they're going through and working as a team. Awesome. So our time's fast running out, but I've got got one more question. and, and forgive me for sort of laughing, but I'm, pro- I'm sure you've probably experienced this before. You've got an ebook, and it's called Eat Your Effing Veggies. Hilarious title. First of all, how did that come about? And tell, tell me a little about it. Yeah, so it actually came about, again, from a manufacturing facility. And when he, one person was like, give me one thing, one thing I could do and be healthier. And I told him, I said, just eat your veggies. And he looks at me, he goes, Seriously, that's what you're going to tell me, my veggies? I said, just eat your veggies. And he really didn't like veggies. And we ended up coming up with a way of him still having his um, ham and egg sandwich in the morning, but he had to put spinach on it, just a few leaves to start with. And four years later, he's still doing it today. He eats vegetable soup and all his veggies, and he's actually lost a bunch of weight. But it was the simplest thing we can do to really help our health. And the crazy thing, at least here in the U.S., our adults aren't eating veggies. And it was like, you know, you'll spend hundreds of dollars on supplements, but we won't eat a $5 bag of carrots. Actually, carrots don't even cost $5. Carrots cost like $2. (laughs) Uh, we're much the same. So, so where can um, people get that ebook? You know, because it might, it's, I know for me, it's picking a little bit of curiosity as to what sort of things might be in the ebook. Yeah, so you can go to lauratimbrook.com and there's an, um, a header on there that says books and you can get it and download it right from my website. 
Awesome. So uh, as we, we draw to an end, what other types of resources or programs do you have for those interested in exploring conversations with you? Because um, we had a conversation before we started and, and you've been buzzing around the world virtually talking to different people. So clearly the sorts of um, services and programs you provide, uh, you're able to provide anywhere in the world. Uh, is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So a lot of what we do is I'll do initial surveys because a lot of times clients might not know what their employees need or what's been effective. So we start having a conversation. We learn about your employees. We'll run a survey and then it could be anything from wellness culture leadership training to maybe some nutrition or, or sleep seminars or workshops. So it really depends on the organization, but it's all about the employees having the power to make healthier choices. Wow. So, um, same website, lauratimbrock.com. You got it. <laughs> and they can also listen to me on my Manufacturing Wellness podcast. So, that's available on all download streams for podcasting. And I imagine there's probably a link from your website as well. Of course there is. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, thanks so very much for your time today and for your insights on health and wellness. Thank you for joining us for this Expert Insights episode. Until next time, this is Australian productivity and technology expert Donna Hansen. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Expert Insights Show. If you've enjoyed the show, why not subscribe via the podcast page on www.donnahanson.com.au or through iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher. Until next time, as Donna says, don't forget to work smarter and not harder with technology.